hello everyone. I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. And now I invite you to join me in this sacred space where I am here and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies. And our time together here is just as meaningful and sacred as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, so let's get started. So in the past, I have shared additional thoughts um, here on this platform related to whatever my current week's blog theme is. But we've also listened to you and we hear you and you have requested more content that is based on your questions. So each month we're going to grab a few of the best questions from our questions that come in from our DMs, emails, and comments. And believe me, there are literally hundreds each week. And we do so appreciate your patience as we try to get to all of them. But oftentimes it does uh, take time because we are indeed a very small staff. But this gives us a chance to highlight some of what we think are some of the most relevant questions because of how they are asked, how often they are asked, or because they have significance on helping you on your spiritual journey, helping you heal from religious trauma, or just help you live in authenticity. So if you have a question that you'd like to submit for future episodes, please email us here at this podcast at spiritualitymatters@revcarla.com. Okay, so with that, we are going to just dive right in with our first question. So here we go. The first one, and this gets asked all the time, even though I think I answer it quite often, I think I just forget that people, new people are joining us all the time. So I think it's important that we often pause and remind you who we are and why we are here. So someone asked, what does it mean to be spiritual but not religious? All right, so let's talk about that. So most people have some kind of religious experience, especially if you are like me and you grew up Christian, which is which makes up a lot of our follower base. So growing up Christian, you have been indoctrinated into that religious experience, those those beliefs, that theology. And yes, that can vary across different denominations. So there are like 45,000 Christian denominations worldwide. Think about that. 45,000. And the reason why they're all separate is because they can't agree on one theology, on one belief. So that's the reason why they decided at one point or another to separate from mainstream religion of, of it, whatever it is and form their own denomination. So a lot of people now are moving away from religion. And they're looking for a different type of spirituality. This has been happening for about 80 decades, I'm sorry, 80 years, where there's been a downward spiral away from church attendance and a lot of people looking for spiritual experiences and enrichment outside of religion. So those of us who sit in this spiritual but not religious realm can help you with that a little bit. Because it doesn't mean that you can't have spirituality inside religion. Many people do. And they find that their spirituality, which is your individual human experience connecting with the holy, connecting with the sacredness, the mystery, the divine, it's your soul work. And many churches 
hold that beautifully and they understand their responsibility to help you grow that. But oftentimes what happens, and again, I'm speaking mainly in the Christian realm, but we're seeing this across organized religion worldwide as people continue to spiral away from religion is that the perpetuation of the institution, the religious institution becomes the main focus of that religion, of that individual church or organization. So they lose the capacity to hold your spirituality, to care for it. It becomes more about hyper-focusing on you, understanding that you are obligated, that you are committed to that specific church or denomination or religion. So if they can get you to do that, then you will continue to financially support them and believe their dogma. So spirituality, yes, there's... This can also be just as uh, tainted. There are certainly spiritual centers and things that aren't even relate, r- related to any kind of world religion. They can, it doesn't mean that there aren't ways that that can also be unethical or not as spiritually enriching. But what it typically means is it puts the focus on the human, the individual person to take responsibility for their spiritual experience. It also puts the focus on healing what's broken inside. A lot of times that's done inside religion in a way to force you into seeing that your healing comes from your connection to the church or the religion. Spirituality invites you to heal this so that you can turn back into your world a greater example of who you truly are for the work that you were called here to do. And again, this can be happen inside religion, but more and more people are finding that they want to explore their spirituality outside of religion. So people on a spiritual but not religious journey are basically saying that I'm taking responsibility for my spirituality and then how I show up in the world, how that impacts my loved ones, how that impacts my calling, even the work that I do, and how it expands out into the world uh, wide experience, like how you treat your neighbors, how you treat your colleagues, all of those things. That is basically what a spiritual but not religious um, experience is. And there's all kinds of things that we can go into a little deeper that even this format doesn't allow us to, but you can see why that that's hard to do in a 60 second TikTok video. And just being able to expand it here does help a great deal. Now be looking at our website for NUMA Soul uh, Center for Spiritual Transformation at NUMA, N-U-M-A-Soul.com, where I will be offering some uh, workshops and classes on the spiritual but not religious uh, path and how we can help you with that a little bit more. But I hope that helps answer your question. Now, someone else asked a very interesting question, which was this, should we stay in church and try to reform it or is this a waste of time? Well, first of all, I don't think anything that you do that is a waste of time if it's a learning experience. We often, even in our own personal lives, if we continue to go around and around a proverbial mountain because we're not listening to learning from the mistakes we make or or gaining insight from, from the experiences we have, then that's when it's a waste of time because we're not moving forward into in stepping fully into our lives. But as far as staying in a church, I would say that the first thing that I would say to you is that I'm not going to answer that question for you. 
because one of the things I promise that I would not do is try to proselytize to you about why being outside of church is better than being inside. When I share my story, whether it's in or other people who give me permission to share their stories, whether that's in TikTok videos or any blog I write or anything like that, I'm sharing my story. I'm telling you why I no longer need my spirituality held inside organized religion. I honestly believe that when I first left uh, church that I would end up coming back someday. That actually ended up not happening. And I'm very happy and content outside of organized religion. And I think more and more people are finding that, especially as we are finding each other in these uh, new digital platforms. But it depends on how open your church and your church leaders are to any kind of suggestions about change. Now, like I said earlier, we've watched this eight decades slide away from uh, from religion. And a lot of that is happening here in America, where we know for the very first time in our in our uh, American history that more people are identified as spiritual but not religious or just absolutely not identifying with any religion. Now that's the religions across the board, but we are primarily a Christian nation. So you know that that very much impacts uh, Christian populations and demographics inside the Christian church. So the first time in history, people who are associated with religion are a minority. And I've got, I'll have that link in the show notes for you, but you can go uh, research it yourself because that Gallup poll just came out a few months ago and it is astounding that we are there. So, but what you see happening on the pushback of that is people saying, uh, church leaders specifically saying that people are wanting spirituality light. They're wanting, they're giving up on God. They don't believe in God. So what that tells me is that they're holding on to the old pattern. The old pattern of trying to force people into a religious belief that has become static. And I don't believe that humanity was ever meant to be static. And that includes faith. That includes theology. I think if you look at the Bible, when you look at the Bible through inspirational lenses, you can see that the Bible stories were telling you how to live in community. Going from a place where we were very much uh, hyper vigilant on uh, being, we were, communities were nomadic, but they also had to be very territorial, and that that would lead to very barbaric actions. But as time went on, and yes, the Bible uh, definitely is very graphic in some of the things that was supposedly said and done in the name of God. But as time goes on, you saw a shift as people started to learn how to live together in in community. So, so you saw, you were seeing this evolving, but something about religion and specifically Christianity said that that Bible was the end of wisdom. And so we here 3000 years later are locked in to that cultural dynamic and that religious dogma. And we have to figure out how to still apply it to our lives. And and humanity is saying, no, we're not, we're no longer going to believe that if you inside church are an example of what is going to be in heaven, I'm going to take my chances out here. And so I, unless there's going to be some kind of of huge paradigm shift and a huge spiritual revelation and awakening inside religion, I think that you'll continue to see people leaving the church 
and I'm not sure it's capable of being reformed. Now, does that mean on a singular level, like one church or one denomination? Absolutely. I just read a story this week where some churches in Germany are completely rebelling against the Catholic church and are ordaining uh, women and I believe gay clergy. I'd have to go back and look at that and I'll definitely link it in the notes because I know it could be both or, or either, but it's, it's a very significant place in our history where people are understanding that humanity, human rights should always take precedence over religious beliefs and they're getting tired of this dogma. So whether or not you decide to stay in church to try to reform it really is something that you need to spend time with. And, and the first thing I would ask is, where is your spirituality? How are you being held? How, how capable are you? Are you up to this task? Or will you and your family and your loved ones and your spirituality be better served outside of church? I cannot answer that for you, beloved. So I would spend time in deep contemplation and uh, figure that out and best of luck to you. Okay, my next question um, comes from one of my TikTok uh, followers and uh, she asks, I've lost my faith after so much religious trauma. How can you help? Well, the first thing you do is recognizing it. And I cannot believe I've been so humbled at how many people have come to say, I didn't know that religious trauma was a, was a thing. I felt like I was broken. I felt like it was all me. And now I know it wasn't. Thank you. So the first thing I would ask you to do is, is acknowledge it. And it sounds like you have. The second thing I would do is ask you, is this trauma? Because tra religious trauma is the same as any other trauma in our lives. And trauma often prevents us from stepping fully into our lives, from, from it prevents us from showing up, being productive without uh, without dealing with some kind of anxiety or depression or some kind of triggers that that pull us away from life's experiences. So if you're finding that that this trauma is so great for you or it's triggering triggering other trauma that's happened in your life, I would encourage you to seek a licensed therapist and I'm very, specific when I say this, because oftentimes those of us, especially if you are remaining in church, you might have an experience of a pastor who offers some kind of pastoral counseling, but they're really not qualified to do so. And even if a, if a pastor is a licensed therapist, sometimes their objective is to heal you to a point where you still feel obligated to be a part of that church. One of the most effective pastors who is a licensed therapist is one who understands that your mental, spiritual, and emotional health are more important than where you land in the church pews. If 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 healing from your or starting a, a journey to heal from your religious trauma, and so I'm very cautious to say because once you have some kind of trauma, it often stays with you for years. Even even now, something can happen related to a religious experience where I can be triggered about some of the things that happened to me, and I need to go process that before I'm able to move into my day or my week or whatever. So I would first of all ask you to consider where that fits in your life and if like and if having a licensed therapist as part of your resource team is something that you need to do. The second thing that I would it would do is is first of all look at numasoul.com. We are putting together some resources to help you there as well. We will also be launching a spiritual care um 
counselor who's coming on as an inner inner uh, spiritual care counselor who has this experience to help you with this kind of trauma. So please be looking for that again at numasoul.com. In the meantime, I would if I would encourage you to start doing some deep introspection, whether it's journaling praying, meditating. But what I found, especially with journaling, is that you begin to own your story. So if you haven't written about some of the things that happened to you, I would encourage you to do that because there's there's power in our stories. There's healing in our stories and there's release in our stories. So please spend some time journaling about this. If you find that it becomes too much like the trauma becomes too real as you do that, back away from it. You'll be able to take steps under the under the care of a licensed therapist or a or a, an experienced spiritual care provider. So one of those two um, can help you. Another place that you can uh, look at this is people who have gone through this before. On our website at numasoul.com, under uh, resources, we have Rev Carla's book recommendations. And there I have a whole list of books that can help you with your on your journey from religious trauma. So again, a licensed mental a uh, licensed therapist who is not just a pastor who's obli- who's looking to keep you con- committed to the church pew. Our inner spiritual care counselor who will be coming on board s- soon. So be looking at that at numasoul.com. Journaling, prayer, contemplation, doing some restorative care work to work some of the trauma out of your system. There's EFT, there's uh, Reiki, there's all kinds of massage work that you can do in that. You can also um, look for these books. One of the most important ones that oftentimes when we're looking at trying to recover from religious trauma is to understand that we have some deconstructing to do. So I would encourage you to look at something like uh, a Karen Armstrong's book, A History of God. I think it's called The Spiral Staircase. I don't have it in front of me right now. A Rachel Held Evans book called uh, Searching for Sunday and also Rob Bell's book, What is the Bible? So I hope something like that helps you, dear one, and just please stay on this journey with us as you see and with our followers, how many people are also on this journey with you. Okay, the next question is, can one totally embrace Jesus and yet abhor religious opinion, religion? All right. Um, Yes. One can totally embrace Jesus. I'm raising my hand. I know you can't see it if you're you're looking at the audio version of this. But when you talk about one of the most simple ways that you can start to embrace Jesus is, is to reimagine the story of Jesus. And that doesn't mean you're reinventing it. It doesn't mean that you're changing the story. It means that you're looking at Jesus with a new set of eyes. Because the story that you have been told inside, whether it's evangelical, conservative, or fundamental experience, and I'm going to assume that's what this is, based on your on your question, is that you saw Jesus as an extension of a judgmental God, of one that would exclude you from the love that you deserve, just because of who you are. Well, I can assure you, friend, that inside Jesus's words were love and unconditional love and grace beyond measure. So there's just a tiny little bit of the Bible that actually contains Jesus's teachings. And when you look through that lens of Jesus, through the mystical lens of Jesus, you start to see a different teacher. 
So I'm going to recommend a different book for, for you that's called Resurrecting Jesus by Adya Shanti. And again, that you'll find that on our book recommendations at numasoul.com under the section of resources, and you'll see Rev Carlo's book recommendations. So it's Resurrecting Jesus. And the reason why I love this is because uh, Adya Shanti, who was also had a conservative Christian experience and now follows the Buddhist path, is compares Jesus's teachings to the Buddha. And there is nothing heretical about doing that. What this does is allow you to move above some of the literal interpretation of the Bible that you may have been taught. So that's a good place to start. And it sounds like you, you too might be dealing with some, at least some anger and probably some religious trauma based on the way you worded this question. So I would encourage you to also think about the advice that I gave the person uh, just a few minutes ago about how you start the steps of healing from religious trauma. Okay, time for a few more questions. Another person asked me my opinion of atheism. Just that was the question. What's your opinion of atheism? Well, I can tell you that that I so many people have said this before. So this isn't anything unique, but I there's oftentimes where I feel like I would much rather be in community with a kind, engaged atheist. And when I by, by engaged, I mean someone who's working for the common good to heal this world to work towards making it a better place for all of humanity, then I would rather be in community, then I would rather be in community with a judging Christian. I would much rather be sitting with and be in community with a kind atheist any day. I have for years been in community with judging, condemning, hate-filled Christians. So the first thing I would say here is that it's important that no matter where you are, whatever your beliefs are, that we make sure that our table of humanity is wide enough for everyone to sit there. So your religious beliefs should never exclude anyone. If it does, then I believe that religion is broken. I don't think religion was ever meant to be that. I mean, we have gone through horrible religious wars and horrible things done in the name of God. I hope at this point in our humanity, we are past that, but obviously we're not. The other thing that I would say about any belief, whether you are, and you know, atheists really don't have a belief other than in science, which I certainly believe in and respect science, even though I am on a spiritual path, it doesn't matter what you believe, who you are, whatever, whatever you believe in, you can become radicalized by your beliefs. And I have seen this. You can be start to proselytize your beliefs. And I have seen atheists do this, where they might come into my comments and make fun of me for having a spiritual journey, for believing, even though I, I released the belief I had of the God of my religious heritage, I desire to understand this universal divine mystery connection that I don't know all the answers to, but I believe something is there. That's as close to a definition that I can get. But when someone belittles me for that, and then they go through and start to attack anybody else that's made, an, made a comment about their spirituality, that is a radicalized atheist who is proselytizing their beliefs. So it doesn't matter what side of the, the spectrum you, you're on, you have entered a place where you are limiting your exposure to people based on their beliefs. You just shrunk your table of humanity to a place where I no longer feel welcome to be in community with you. And I don't think that's what any faith should be about. Any, no matter what it is you believe or lack of faith or whatever it is. 
So I include the agnostic or, or whatever inside that. But that is my, that is what I believe about atheists. I'm not um, condemning it. I'm not condoning it because if anything, I believe that I am closer to an agnostic now because I question everything before when, when my limited religious experience kept me in this black and white world where we just figured everything out and the rest of you were just all poor idiots for not believing what we did, I had a very limited view of the world and a very condescending and judgmental and arrogant view of the world. And I don't, I no longer want to be that way. So I don't think any, any place that we're sitting, it should be more about our table of humanity, of respect, of mutual love and respect for each other. So I would hope that whoever I'm in community with has respect for the way I believe as well. All right. This is a really interesting one. And I'm going to, I'm going to touch gently on this and we might end up coming back to it at another time, but it's been sitting in my inbox for a while. So I wanted to get to this. Should a gay man divorce amicably to live authentically or stay in a marriage for the sake of the wife and kids? Well, first of all, I'm not Dr. Laura, thank God. Um, and I'm also not uh, a marriage counselor. And, and uh, the third thing is, I know nothing about the, their, this, this family's experience to feel like I can speak respectfully or knowledgeably about their experience. This is an individual decision. This has to be taken from a, from a place of personal introspection between the, the marriage partners. There's a lot at stake here. And I can tell you that my only prayer is that whatever comes out of this after some deep, deep conversations, and ho hopefully with people who can hold that space respectfully to help you work through everything that needs to be worked through before any decisions are made, that I would think it's a very sad situation for anybody to not to come out of any decision and not be able to live authentically. Now, can I speak again? I, again, I cannot speak specifically to this situation, but I believe that there is room for all people to be able to live authentically as we were made. And I would pray that for this couple. So I'm not sure the intention of something like this, but I think that we, if, if anything, the reason why I wanted to bring this up was because no, nothing is ever as cut and dry as what we think it is. Anybody who would put a blanket of judgment of what these people should do or don't do is hurting the man, the woman and their children, because it is not up to judge. It is not up to us to decide. It is up, not up to us to, pay, to play judge and jury and convict people for any decisions. I pray that if this situation is in your family or in your circle of influence, that what you offer is holding sacred space with no opinions, holding the space lovingly and gently so that these people, these humans are able to make the decision that serves their and their children's highest good. And when you do that, and when you learn to move into that space, then you are living at your highest level of spirituality. So I pray that for you, whether this situation is for you or you are witnessing this through people that you care about. I pray that for you.
Okay, my final question for today comes from a person who wants to know what I feel about Hebrews 25. And depending on what version you hear, you'll hear things, it, it's something about some have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship. So Paul's admonishing people to make sure that you gather uh, for the assembly. He'll say, do not forsake the assembly. And the reason why I know this verse so well is because I have had it used on me so many times since I have become unchurched. Because Christians believe that there's only one way to worship. Because Christians believe that you are to be in community with, which is a brick and mortar building. I remember when I used to be a Joel Olstein fan. Yes, I was. And at the end of his um, sermons each week, he would say, get into a Bible-based church. So in other words, he was admonishing you that his television series wasn't enough, even though he became a billionaire over those over that series. Come on, let's 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 be realistic about that. Maybe we need to talk about the taxing of mega churches someday. But that's not on a question today, so we'll we'll pass that up. But a, a Bible-based church also is a cue to what Joel believes. He believes in the literal interpretation of the Bible, and he has stem, stumbled, stumbled through some interviews before where he has admitted that he does not support, support gay marriage and things like that. Again, sidestepping there. But he was also saying, basically, that he is interpreting Hebrews 10.25 to mean, do not forsake the assembly, that you need to come together in community and support your local church. Well... I used to always push back and say, who gets to define what the assembly looks like? How do you know that I'm not in assembly just because it doesn't look like what your denomination or your religion offers? How do you know that I'm not in a sacred assembly? How am I not forsaking it if I'm in community with people of like minds and like hearts and inquiring souls who are seeking a divine experience? And they would just uh, they would just slough that off, and oftentimes leave me brutal comments about why I was wrong. Well, guess what? All of a sudden, we are in the middle of a pandemic where we have to stay in in isolation, and the churches close. And didn't everybody get creative about how we were going to assemble? Now, all of a sudden, it's okay to Zoom. Now, all of a sudden, it's okay to have small group through the computer. Now, all of a sudden, everything that you judged other people from doing became the norm. Awkward silence. Insert that right here. Now, of course, good old Mike Pence made several uh, request that churches get open as soon as possible, putting that kind of plea in front of everything that was happen happening in our healthcare system, where we almost imploded and exhausted our health healthcare system. I remember very uh, plainly being aghast that uh, that then Vice President Pence said something about our churches struggling during this time when you had healthcare workers working sometimes straight through seven and 14, 21 days to get through that crisis. But hey, let's make sure we, we pray about the churches getting open. And of course, I'm being sarcastic here. Because inside a lot of people's mind, and again, this goes back to several questions ago, is this cycle of repetitive pattern that the Christian church cannot deviate from. And that is going to be the judgment of how others assemble. Now, for me, back then, 
the assembly that Paul was referencing looks nothing like what the church looks like now. Absolutely nothing. They were mostly small groups held inside uh, uh, people's homes most of the time because they had to be very quiet, afraid of persecution from leaders. And yet he was very much writing about a time when the churches were just getting established, when the gatherings were just getting established. When Christianity was so new, it didn't have the dogmas. It didn't have all these different theologies. He was trying to encourage people to make sure you're supporting one another in this endeavor of getting things going. It didn't have an offering plate. It didn't have a worship band. It didn't have a pastor in jeans. It didn't have a smoke screen and blacked out sanctuary windows, my friends. I think we need to be very careful about how we're judging people on their spirituality, uh, their spiritual experiences and their spiritual path. Don't you think? I absolutely lose no sleep over Hebrews 10.25. And I would encourage anyone who wants to push that to remind them that uh, the pandemic taught us something new about how what sacred gatherings look like. There, I'll get off my soapbox and end this podcast right now. And like I said earlier, if you have a question that you would like to submit for consideration, please be sure to email us at spiritualitymatters@revcarla.com. Okay, beloveds, I'm honored to be in this space with you, and I pray you receive something. I know I did, because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love, and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you, and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved, just the way you are. Blessings on your week. Bye for now, and I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to spiritualitymatters at revcarla.com. As always, follow at Rev Carla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now!